How am I coming through? If you can see me, then I'm already dead. Am I coming through okay? I'm going to try to stay sort of contained this morning because sometimes these transmissions can be funny. If I move too much, I may get a little grainy on you. So I'm going to do my best. It's difficult for me to stay, to stay contained. I, I want to tell you my story because it's important that you hear my story. And I'm going to do my best to use your language and frames of reference and cultural context so you really understand my story even though it's from a very different time. It is full of joy, I promise. But it's also, it also contains pain and suffering. I know you're in the last weekend of the Summer of Joy series, so, so we'll have something to say about that eventually. When I was young, I was a good first son. Meaning, I went into dad's business. I took on the shop. I did what the oldest is supposed to do. And I was glad to do it. I was glad to do my duty and step into that role. But I knew when I was very, very, very young, we all have dreams when we're young. Many of you think about the dreams of what you wanted to be when you were young. A firefighter, a teacher, a scientist, Indiana Jones, you name it. I I always had this strong sense and conviction that God was calling me to step into leadership. God was calling me to be an important teacher. But, but I had this duty and I had this role and I was happy to do that. And I'm from a fairly normal sized family. By your standards, you would consider it a very large family. And after dad married mom, our family got a little larger and I had a new younger brother. And I got along with everybody in my family, but I struggled to get along with my little brother. He just did things out of order for our time and place. Like he stepped in and did a lot of the things that I felt called to do. And I sat and watched and was responsible as he did a lot of the things and lived the life I wanted to live. You see, my brother was born in a very tense time. Imagine it's spring during tax season when he was born and there was a lot of strain, there was a lot of change. Imagine if you have to go to your capital to file taxes, right? For some reason the government's suspicious of cyber hacking or, or identity theft or whatnot, so there, is, there are no electronic submissions anymore. You have to physically go in person to file your taxes. Imagine the congestion and everything's booked. Hotels, Airbnb, there's no place to stay as mom and dad are trying to get all this done while she's pregnant. And, and we're 1099 self-employed kind of folks with next to no insurance. We don't make a enough to close down the shop so I've got to stay at the shop I can't be with mom and dad so mom and dad go and they do that and imagine that he was born someplace like under an overpass there's just no other place and that's the last time anything unassuming can be said about my little brother you see when I was young I just devoured leadership books and my parents brought us up to, to just nurture the scriptures. And, and, and in a very deep way, I learned to love the scriptures. And right before my brother was born, right before he came, I almost took that step. I almost stepped out and followed the call that I thought God was leading me to. And then he came. And cue the montage to your favorite movie 
Imagine him growing up, learning to do everything before everybody else, learning to talk before your kids learn how to talk, learn to walk before your kids learn how to walk, developmentally, he just... And when he got about as old as I appear to you now, how old do I look? A dangerous question. Great Scott, Doc Brown would be, would be impressed with this. How old do I appear I like these transmissions because it cuts back the years a little bit. I'm actually much, much older than I appear to you. And when my younger brother got about as old as I appear to you now, he had done way more than I could have ever dreamed. But it took a long, long time for me to understand any of it. You see, early on when he had started his teaching career, he came pretty close to home. We didn't hear from him. We heard throughout the neighborhood, through the grapevine, that he was coming close. And some people were saying some things like he was maybe talking a little crazy. So we wanted to make sure that he was all right. We were a little concerned and we knew he was going to be close. So I went, my mom went, some of my other brothers went to see him and we asked to see him and he rejected us. He didn't have time for us now that's not how mom took it anybody ever had a disagreement with a parent like I thought mom was flat wrong she said no he was doing more important things he was teaching to a large group about following God's will and that's all well and good but when mom was tired I changed the kids diapers right I helped raise him and we're concerned we hadn't seen him in a while we just wanted to see him see if he was okay I didn't want to believe what some of the people in the neighborhood were saying about him they were saying he had some kind of demon that was making him talk crazy and I didn't want to believe that because he's my brother but after this incident I I started to wonder and if it was just the one incident, maybe I could have figured out how to believe sooner what all was happening. I, but it wasn't just the one incident. I mentioned mom. Dad died when we were pretty young still. And I wanted to take that role again and step into leadership and make sure mom was okay, make sure she got her rest when she needed her rest. I made sure she made the appointments that she needed to make and that she got her medicine. I made sure all that was, was taking place. And, and you know what's crazy? My little brother just wasn't around for that, any of that. He wasn't pulling his weight in the shop. He wasn't really communicating with us. He was traveling all over the place. We worried about where he was. He just wasn't there. And what's infuriating about the absence, like that's infuri infuri infuriating enough. But mom favored him. It was just hard because she would leave to go find him and I would be left worrying about if she was okay, if she was getting what she needed. It was tough and I have all these questions about why, why we're not okay for him. Like why? Does he feel restrained being in our presence? Does he not like us? Like did we do something to offend him? There were all these questions circling and it's hard for me to communicate this because in my culture and my time, family is everything. Family is the world. You work, you sacrifice, you do everything you can for family. And I'm trying to hold this family together and I'm failing at it. Because he's going off and adopted a second family even. Add, add to the list of issues. He's got all these men and women following him around and my mom's becoming a mom to this other family and we can't keep track of them and all these things. And then I'm starting to hear what people are saying about him, like who he's claiming to be. 
and, and look, like I resonate with what he was doing. Like he was teaching a lot of good stuff, clarifying the spirit of the law and how to follow God's will. But, but man, what people are saying about him, what, who he's claiming to be, like with me piecing together my experience and hurt feelings in this family dynamic, like it, I, I just couldn't get there. There were too many things to reconcile. And when he didn't see our friend John before he died, that's when I stopped. That's when I stopped paying attention. That's when I took a step back. Because you got to understand, John was like part of our family. John was important to our childhood. John was this amazing communicator and amazing leader. Like I emulated John. John bought into my little brother's mission. Even though I couldn't at that time, John did. We, we all loved John. We all loved John. John got into some trouble though. There was this area where major ethical violations were taking place. Like people in power with a lot of money were, were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing and John was letting everybody know about it. And let me tell you, the people listened to John. John had the affection and the trust of the people. So these people in power that had a lot, that stood to lose a lot of power and lose a lot of money had to keep him from talking. So they captured him. They eventually, they eventually killed him. But before, before they killed John, while he was captured, John was able to get word to my little brother about what was happening. And he asked him a question, a question that I've asked my whole life that's just plagued most of my life. Are you the one that's to come? Or should I expect somebody else? You see, my little brother was doing a lot of good for a lot of people. A lot of strangers, though, you know. Like, John never got a visit. <laughs> he couldn't take the time to visit John. And after that, I just stopped paying attention, and I heard that my little brother had passed away. And I know this sounds terrible, but I didn't mourn my little brother like I should have. I was just, the grief and the confusion, I don't know. I, I, I just, a couple days after he had, I heard that he had passed away. I had just worked constantly, tried to bury everything in work. And I had to take a break. The grocery store is two miles from the shop. Normally I drive. I needed to walk. I needed some fresh air. So I was going to go grab some pomegranates and get out of the shop. And so I started to walk to the grocery store. And as I'm walking to the grocery store, I see someone in the distance kind of walking my direction, like they're going back to the shop or around to some of the neighboring businesses. As I get a little closer, I see it's a man. As I get a little closer, he must have had the same idea I did. He was just carrying one bag. Um, I'm not in a social mood, so I'm starting to divert my path so I don't have to engage. If I have to nod, that's fine, but I'm, I'm in no mood to talk. And as I got a little closer, you know how some people look at you and despite what you want to do, you're fixing to have a long conversation. And I, he just, he, he looked at me. And I, as much as I tried to avoid him, he stuck his arm out right in my path and said, here, these are for you. They're your favorite. And I looked down and I saw the pomegranates. And when I looked up, before I could say, how do you know it's my favorite? It's my little brother. Like I'm, I'm staring at my little brother. And I'm just so like stunned and shaky. I fall, I fall over and he catches me and I'm, I just don't know what to say. And he kind of knows that and takes the lead and we talk for hours. We sit there. 
And I want to share with you a few things, just a few things that he shared with me. He told me he loved me. Now, I know he's told me that before, but that, like, it's hard to describe. Like I, in my marrow, in my soul, like I received, like I, I believed him for the first time. And he said, you know, he, that he loved me and then he loved the family and it, he didn't mean to like overshadow me or keep me down or try to take glory for himself, but that, but that what he came to do was save the world, that he's the hinge on which all of human history, the door of all of human history swings and, and that somehow people past, present, and future, their destinies predicated on whether or not they welcome my little brother into their lives, that he, he didn't mean to offend in customary ways that we may take offense. He didn't mean to offend, but he had to do all he could with the time that he was given to not just stay in our hometown and dad's shop, but to serve and to teach while he was here until all the principalities and powers of this world did their worst to him. And then when they did their worst to him, he showed him who has ultimate authority over space and time by shattering death. He shared a lot with me. He looked at me and he said, I need you to lead my people in the most important city in our country. And so now, like this realization and this just this flood of emotions wa washing over me of now I'm stepping into the vocation I always thought God was calling me to in the most significant place in our country and that my little brother is the source of that and, and asking me to do that and all that confusion and despair and, and, and all that that I was holding on to just, I just finally was able to let go of it and accept grace and accept forgiveness and so I eagerly stepped into that role and I started to teach, I started to lead, I started to organize, I moved south, I got to know some of the other leaders who were called to do the same thing in our country and around the world. And we had a lot of councils, we did a lot of different things as I stepped in to serve my brother. Now I don't have a lot of time to tell you everything that my little brother shared with me that day. I wish I could, but I just don't have the time. We, we, we would need a long, 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 long time. But I, I, I want you to know this. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because when your faith is tested, you'll receive perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you so that you become complete lacking in nothing. It's a strange teaching, I, but trust me, from my experience, from my story, consider it pure joy when you face suffering. Consider it pure joy when you experience pain. Consider it pure joy when you're treated unfairly. Consider it pure joy when you're wronged because if your face never tested, you're never gonna develop endurance. And if you don't persevere, you're gonna lose some of the most precious gifts that God has for you. You may lose hope. You may go through seasons of life where you lose faith, you lose love because you've never persevered. You haven't faced those trials joyfully. It's a hard, hard teaching, but please hear this from my life, from my story. I begrudgingly lived into times of my life where I didn't receive. I, I, I held it against my little brother. I, I just was angry and hurt because I thought it was my time before it was my time, and so I didn't grow. <laughs> I, I just was frustrated 
And you know, sometimes we actually do know what God's calling us to do, and it is time for us to do that, but we decide to do something else. We decide to maybe go do a side business and make some money over here, or we decide to travel, or we decide to distract ourselves with another degree, or we decide to do something other than what we know God has called us to do now. And and I think we do that because we know if we do the one thing, that trials will come. There's gonna be hurt feelings. There's gonna be family members that don't understand. There's gonna be a lot of unknown and uncertainty and we would rather not face those things and so we don't step into the one thing that God has called us to do. Brothers and sisters, please, please don't take the blessing of clarity for granted. You're not always gonna be sure-footed. Those steps that you take, wilderness, not sure where I'm at right now. Please don't take the blessing of clarity for granted. If you know, then go now. Now I know, finally, that I am my brother's keeper. And I'm asking you to be my brother's keeper too. I'm asking you to continue to carry his name above every other name. I'm asking you to step into that thing God's called you to do. I'm asking you to face those trials joyfully so you do develop endurance and you can persevere and grow in holiness towards the full person that God wants you to be to serve him. I'm asking you to do that because my little brother endured. My little brother endured hours and hours of torture where he was beaten bloody to the point where any one of us would have already died. He endured. He endured that to walk, a long walk up a steep hill, carrying the thing made by men to kill him. He endured slanderous mockery and false sentences and people doubting him and not understanding. He endured those closest to him, those who supposedly loved him the most, abandoned Abandoning him when he needed them most. In days and days of death, he endured. He endured for you. He endured for me. He endured an older brother's unbelief. And I know because when I was lost and had given up, he brought me pomegranates. He told me he loved me and I received his grace. I accepted his forgiveness. He endured. I finally know I'm my brother's keeper. They're about to take me now. The authorities, just like they took my little brother, they're coming for me too, but fear not for I'm going to be with the faithful. And as you see this transmission, I'm hope, hopefully I'm still clear. As you see this transmission, know that I'm watching over you. And I never did tell you my name. Before I finish and Pastor Shea comes to read you some words I wrote. Don't worry, he's not gonna read you the whole book, but just to make sure. Sometimes when you write things down, you make sure you cover what, what, what needed to be covered. Pastor Shea's the new pastor, by the way, so be, take it easy on him. Before he comes and reads scripture to you and prays, I never told you my name, but I think you all probably know my name. I'm James. Grace and peace. Goodbye. Consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, listen. 
You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast, and in your arrogant schemes, you boast. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Will you pray with me? Holy God, you know what we need before we ask. And wherever we are, if we're in a time where we know and are confident taking the steps in faith, doing what you've called us to do, God, keep us bold and keep us faithful. Lord, if we've resisted and run away, God, forgive us. Help us have the courage to seek you first and not fear about the trials that come, but receive them joyfully so that we endure and become the disciples you've called us to be. And God, if we're in seasons of uncertainty and unknown and frustration, God, help us take all of life, everything that comes, everything that we create, help us receive it all joyfully so that in unity, as we serve together, as we serve the city of Mansfield, as we serve united with you, God, we wait with anticipation that great and glorious day where you complete the work that you started in us and we all rejoice together forever. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.